The title of the message this morning is The Prayer of Agreement. That's what we're talking about. The Prayer of Agreement. Won't you say that with me? The Prayer of Agreement. There might be some of you that know quite a lot about the Prayer of Agreement. There might be some of you that you've never really heard of this. And so I'm trusting the Lord that uh, no matter where people are at, we can uh, move forward, all of us, in terms of understanding and utilizing this effective way of praying. You know that as a congregation that we are currently focusing on prayer, and we are asking the Lord, Lord, would you teach us to pray? And in that, I just want to remind you that we are praying and saying, Lord, teach us to pray. But it can be really wonderful if you personalize that prayer, if you haven't already done so, and you go before the Lord and you say, Lord, please teach me to pray. If you haven't done that, may I encourage you, do that. Because you have not, because you ask not. So let's be asking of the Lord. And so we're asking the Lord to teach us to pray because we want to learn from Jesus. We want to learn from the Master the master of prayer. Amen. We certainly do. And in terms of learning from the master, I want to say this, that it's clear while Jesus was on earth that his prayer life attracted the attention of others, especially of his disciples. And at one particular point, they saw him praying and they thought, this is amazing. Maybe to get more of what he's got, we need to do what he's doing. We need to kind of follow the prayer life that we see in Jesus demonstrating. And so they said, Lord, teach us to pray. And I believe that Jesus is the greatest example of anyone that ever walked earth in terms of understanding prayer and walking in greater authority in our prayer lives. I want to remind you, though, however, that when Jesus left the earth, his prayer ministry did not stop. He is still praying. He is still interceding. The Bible says that he ever lives to make intercession for us. That is Jesus, our high priest, who is at the right hand of the throne of God on high. You know what he's doing there? He is interceding. He is praying. He is praying for your welfare. He is praying for your success. In the Christian life, he is praying for you to be victorious. Think about that. Come on. Appreciate that for a moment that Jesus is praying for you to be victorious. What an awesome thing that he is doing that. Praise God for that. And I think of the, the prayer that he prayed. He said to Peter, he said, the enemy has sought to sift you like wheat. But I have prayed that your faith would not fail you. And in the same way that he prayed for Peter, I want to tell you, sir, ma'am, Jesus on high is praying for you. And that's also an encouragement that the ministry of intercession and prayer should be important in our lives because our king is still praying and interceding. Amen. Now, before we get into our text for today, which is from Matthew, to mention this, a little earlier in Matthew, we see that Jesus, he was teaching about personal prayer. Please say that, personal prayer, which is private prayer. And Jesus said, as he was teaching, he said, when you pray, go into your room, and when you have shut your door, 
Pray to your Father who is in the secret place. By the way, I am of the opinion that the majority of our prayer lives will be actually spent in private prayer. The majority is not spent in public corporate prayer. Fundamentally, when we're talking about Lord, teach us to pray, this is the thing that's happening in your private world between you and God, praying to God in your private world. And, and Jesus was actually speaking against the religious leaders of the day that would get up and pray these fancy prayers on the street corners, out aloud. They wanted to be noticed. They wanted people to think they were spiritual. And Jesus said, don't pray like them. Go into your prayer closet, shut your door, and your Father who sees in the secret place, He sees in secret, He is in the secret place, and He will reward you openly. And so He was teaching His disciples, you pray in private. But now a little bit later in Matthew 18, we find that Jesus is teaching about a different type of prayer. Now it's not private prayer, now it is praying in agreement with others. Do you ever pray in agreement with others? Because this is what is biblical. Let me tell you, we don't only need personal prayer, but we also need times of public, united prayer. Even if it is just two or three of you that are praying, we need public and united prayer. Let's imagine you have three kids in a family, and they have a dad, and these three kids individually, they have times where they come and talk to dad. And then the next kid, he comes and chats to dad, and the next kid, he comes to chat to dad. Now, it would be crazy if those three kids never came together to talk to their daddy. It would seem unusual. And in the same way, we need to be praying to our Father in heaven privately, but there is an aspect of prayer life where you pray together with other believers. That's why it is so important. Are you connected to other believers, even in a small group, even in a couple of close Christian friends around about you? Now, our text for today, here it is, Matthew 18, verse 19 to 20, reading from the New King James Version that says, take special note. Again, I say to you, who's speaking here? This is Jesus, the Son of God. Again, I say to you that if two of you agree on earth concerning anything that they ask, it will be done. Would you say those four words? It will be done for them by my Father in heaven. For where two or three are gathered together, in my name, I am there in the midst of them. Just a little side note. It's interesting that when believers gather in the name of the Lord, it's like God and they're in unity. It's like God is attracted to that. You gather in the name of Jesus. There's a unity of heart and purpose. He's drawn to that. He's attracted and he manifests his presence in that situation. Now, uh, verse 19 is very well known in the King James Version, and some of you may have memorized it in the King James Version. It says, if two of you shall agree on earth as touching anything, I kind of like that, as touching anything, that they shall ask, it shall be done for them of my Father which is in heaven. The Lord bless the reading of his holy word. Amen? Amen. 
Now, four things that I'd like to share with you. Number one, understanding the prayer of agreement. Say this with me, please. Understanding the prayer of agreement. In order for us to function in the prayer of agreement, we need to have some understanding of how to do this. Firstly, I'd like to re-emphasize our text by reading from the Amplified Bible. Matthew 18, 19 to 20 from the Amplified. It says, again, I say to you that if two believers on earth agree, that is, are of one mind in harmony about anything they ask within the will of God, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. For where two or three are gathered in my name, meeting together as my followers, I am there among them. There are two words that are maybe not all that obvious for you, but they do stand out for me, and they are underlined. They are the words earth and the words heaven. They stand out for me, and it basically it says, if uh, two of you agree on earth, it shall be done by my Father in heaven. There's the earth aspect, and there is the heaven aspect. When I was reading this, it reminded me of uh, the Lord's Prayer. And basically, the Lord's Prayer says, Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Let me say this. I believe that true prayer will always be mindful of bringing the purposes of heaven into the realm of earth. Do you believe that? I encourage us to pray for the many personal things that we're facing in our lives. The Lord, would you help in this situation? Lord, would you provide in this financial situation? But I believe that something will be missing in our prayer lives if we're only praying about personal things and we are not praying about God's plan and His purposes. And we see the heaven and the earth aspect and essentially God is wanting the realm and the rulership and the dominion of heaven to be manifest on earth. But He wants to use you and me to bring this about. So... Child of God, I want to say to you, up your game. Raise your game because God wants to use you to bring kingdom purposes in your situation, in your family, in your place of work, at your varsity. He wants to bring those kingdom purposes into being. And so let's make sure that our prayer lives seek God's will and purpose. Now, there is a word in verse 19 which is very important. And that we need to take special note of this word. The word is agree. Would you please say that word? Agree. Please say it a little louder. Agree. This is very important in these two verses of Scripture. The Greek word that is used here um, for agree is the word sumphoneo. If I've got it right, that's the way you pronounce it. Sumphoneo. This is also where we get our word symphony from. And basically, symphoneo, it means to harmonize together. It means to symphonize and to make a symphony together. God is looking that we would come together and pray 
in symphony together. Imagine, for instance, a symphonic orchestra. How many of you, you quite enjoy hearing a beautiful classical orchestra? Raise a hand if that's you. It can be something really amazing. But think of that. Think of this symphonic orchestra. And there are usually a number of instruments that are there to be played. But the instruments first need to be tuned into the same key or the applicable key. And in addition to be tuned in the right way, they also need to be playing the same piece of music. Am I right? Same wavelength, same page. Because then what comes out of it is something truly beautiful. A symphonio comes out of that. And sometimes if you've listened to a, a beautiful symphony orchestra, you are actually moved. You might get goosebumps and you think, wow, this is incredible. One of the things that's incredible is the amount of unity that is producing the sound. And I believe that the prayer of agreement is very similar to a symphonic orchestra. Perfect agreement of hearts and desires in prayer to God is what the prayer of agreement is about. Let me say that again. The prayer of agreement is all about perfect agreement of hearts and desires in prayer to God. Now, let's make it real practical. What are some of the essential ingredients that make up this prayer of agreement? And they are on your screen. Firstly, there needs to be, number one, a gathering of believers. Now, in terms of this, there doesn't have to be so many believers. There can even just be two, two or three, a handful of believers. But there needs to be a gathering of believers, and bear in mind that they gather under the name of the Lord. In other words, they gather with Jesus as the focus of their meeting. Oftentimes, when I pray here as we start the church service, have you heard me declare? We declare that we are gathered in the name of Jesus. Because I want to emphasize in whose name and whose authority we are gathered in. Because then we operate in His authority. Also, there needs to be, secondly, oneness of purpose or objective. This is important. There needs to be a sense of agreement in the hearts of what are we really here for? What are we believing God for? And then the third aspect is a prayer must be offered in accordance with that objective. And so I'd like to submit to you that these elements are the essential elements for the prayer of agreement. And actually, they are not that difficult. I would say that the second one could pose the most challenges. Because when you come together, let's say seven of you as believers, can you really be in a place of real oneness of heart about a particular thing? But it is important that we would come together in oneness of heart about something that the Lord is laying on our hearts. And so these are the essential ingredients for the prayer of agreement. You know what the amazing thing about the prayer of agreement is? That you can have just two people who pray in total agreement that can have massive results. Whereas you could have 5,000 people that aren't truly in agreement. They are like superficial, outwardly in agreement, but they're not sincerely in agreement. And their prayers would be far less effective 
than those two that come together in oneness of heart. That tells you the power of the prayer of agreement. And in Acts, we see how the disciples, they were wonderfully engaged in prayer and in total agreement. And shortly afterwards, the Holy Spirit was poured out. The scripture is on your screen. Acts chapter 1, verse 14, it says, The apostles had single purpose as they devoted themselves to prayer. Now, I want to ask you, doesn't that sound like the prayer of agreement? They gathered in oneness of heart, single purpose, and out of that they are praying. What were they praying? They were praying for the Spirit of God to come because Jesus said, go and wait in Jerusalem for the promise from on high. And so there was a singleness of heart and they prayed. And it's no wonder that the Lord did a mighty work. Amen. Point number two, examples of the prayer of agreement. Say this with me, examples of the prayer of agreement. Let's look at a few settings in which the prayer of agreement can be exercised. So, one of them is husband and wife united together in prayer. This is one that I want to emphasize and I want to say to you, don't underestimate when you have a believing husband and a believing wife that are in covenant relationship together when they pray the prayer of agreement Don't underestimate what will happen when they pray. Because realize that the prayer of agreement in that context is truly powerful. But there is another scripture which we need to point out here. It's 1 Peter 3 verse 7, where Peter says that your prayers may not be hindered. How many of you can say, I don't want my prayers to be hindered by a show of hands? We certainly don't want that to take place. But Paul is speaking into the marriage situation, sorry, Peter is speaking into the marriage situation, and he's saying, listen guys, what really needs to happen here is that you need to live in an understanding way with each other, you need to live in harmony with each other, otherwise your prayers may be hindered. Wow. When a marriage is in turmoil, it sure breaks down the power of their prayers. But imagine the power when that husband and wife are in harmony together. And let's say they discover a situation in their family that maybe they discover their, their son, 18 years of age, is really facing a spirit of rebellion and they can see it manifest in the home. Now, when that husband and wife come together and they pray and they take authority over that spirit of rebellion and they bind it and they cast it out, I want to assure you that thing is broken because there is so much power in that prayer of agreement. Another one is uniting with friends in prayer. You see, praying together with your believing friends can be more powerful than you praying on your own. Imagine a couple of ladies, three or four ladies are together, Christian ladies, having a cup of coffee, chatting about things and As they're chatting together, they realize that one of them is facing a spiritual attack. Now, I want to encourage you, take the liberty and boldness of praying right there. Sometimes we too quickly say, well, I'll pray for you. And and you mean I'm going to pray for you later at home. I've discovered sometimes we forget to pray. Anybody willing to tell the truth and shame the devil? Okay. A bunch of angels in this place. Woo! Wow! 
Now, come on, we do that. We often forget. But why not take a moment right there and pray for the person that is under attack? Do you know what breakthrough can come? Because of agreement with believers as that thing is dealt with in Jesus' name. That attack can stop in that very moment. I want to encourage you, be bold. Another example is praying in agreement in your life group. Now, you know, one of the places that's ideal to ask for the life group to pray in agreement with you concerning somewhere, something, is it's the life group. Because think about it. Those can be some of the closest people to you spiritually, and you can go to them and you can pray. Maybe you say, well, listen, I realize that something's going on in my work, and there's real division at our company. There's like hatred, and there's racism, and you sense it's a spiritual thing. And suddenly as you're sharing about this, those in your life group are getting stirred and you think, they, they think, well, let's pray together. And I want to tell you those couple of believers praying together in unity, breaking that spirit of hatred, you will see results because it shall be done of my Father who is in heaven. Come on, say amen. 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 Another example is an entire congregation agreeing together in prayer. And this is something that we do quite often as a congregation. And many times we've prayed for our nation. And I think that that's wonderful because you know what? The Bible says, my house, house shall be called a house of prayer. And if churches are only worshiping and only preaching but not praying, I think something is missing in those churches. God wants to use these corporate gatherings of times when we will intercede for the nation and where we will pray a prayer of agreement about something specific that we are believing to change. And by the way, in terms of the prayer of agreement, it isn't a case of, let's say, a couple of you together and you say, listen, whatever you pray, I'll just agree with. No, no, no. This is where there is, before you begin to pray, a sense of what needs to be prayed, an agreement, and then somebody offers a prayer in line with that. Amen? Now, point number three is very interesting. Paul understood the power of the local church praying in agreement. Would you please say this with me? Paul understood the power of the local church praying in agreement. The apostle Paul showed that he had tremendous confidence in, listen to this, the power of united prayer. He actually counted on the prayers of the believers. He depended on them. He was encouraging them to pray in the local church in order that he could see increase in his ministry as he was taking the gospel to the Gentiles. I want to give you a couple of quick scriptures. We'll go through them quickly to show how greatly Paul valued the prayers of agreement. To the Romans, he wrote in Romans 15, 13, Now I beg you, strive together with me in prayers to God for me. <laughs> Paul is saying, church, pray for me. He literally begged the Romans to pray for him. And he expected that his prayers together with the prayer of agreement from the local church, would see that he would be released and delivered from his opponents and become more effective in his work. To the Corinthians, he wrote in 2 Corinthians 1 verse 10 and 11, he said, I trust that he, that's God, will still deliver us 
you also helping together in prayer for us. To the Ephesians, it's on your screen. He wrote in Ephesians 6 verse 18 to 19, praying always with all prayer and supplication for the saints and for me. Paul is saying, pray for me, church, that utterance may be given to me. And essentially, he was trusting that God would give him greater boldness to declare the word without fear and unashamedly. To the Philippians, he wrote, Philippians 1.19, For I know that this is going to turn out for my deliverance through your prayer and the supply of the Spirit of Jesus Christ. Now, if you think Paul hasn't asked enough churches to pray for him, he goes on. Two more, the Colossians. He says in Colossians 4 verse 3, he says, pray for us too, that God may open a door for our message. And he was saying that I believe that as you guys are going to be praying, it is going to see open doors come so that I can preach the gospel more effectively. Lastly, to the Thessalonians, he said in 2 Thessalonians 3 verse 1 and 2, he said, pray for us. Please say those three words. Pray for us that the word of the Lord may run swiftly and be glorified and that we may be delivered from unreasonable and wicked men. You know what, folks? When you see how much Paul was not just asking one congregation, but several congregations to pray for him, that he would be effective, I think to myself, Maybe this is the reason why Paul's ministry was so effective, because he had learned to harness the power of the prayer of agreement. Maybe you're going to begin to see God use you in a greater way as you learn to harness the power of the prayer of agreement. And I would argue, folks, that few ministries were as effective as Paul's ministry. And perhaps it's because of the prayer of agreement that made all the difference. But notice this, to emphasize it again, Paul depended on the prayers of the church. I want to tell you, maybe you, in your life group, you need to depend on the prayers of the believers in your life group in a greater way. Maybe me, I need to depend on the prayers of this congregation in a greater way to make me more effective in the ministry to which God has called me to. Amen? Because that's what Paul did. Are you still with me, church? Point number four, which is a shorter one. Expect God to bring breakthrough when unified prayer is offered. Please say that with me. Expect God to bring breakthrough when unified prayer is offered. Listen to this statement. The prayer of agreement is like a spiritual missile that will blast through all the enemy's blockades. I like it. Because we need to realize when we're talking about the prayer of agreement, this is a more potent spiritual weapon. And our text in Matthew 18, 19 says, I say to you, who is saying this? This is Jesus, the Son of God. I say to you, it will be done. Say those four words with me. It will be done for them of my Father who is in heaven. And when Jesus says it will be done, this is a sure answer. There is no uncertainty in what is being said. And I want to say to you folks, what an encouragement to pray when the King of heaven says that it will be done. 
Let's take the word of God at face value and simply just be childlike believers. Amen. Let me tell you, James, in the book of James, he tells us that the prayer of a righteous man or woman availeth much. And I fully agree with that. But I want to tell you that the prayer of agreement will accomplish even more. Because one shall put a thousand to flight and two shall put ten thousand to flight. These are simply principles in the word of God. Now, Andrew Murray, such a great man that lived many years ago, a man of prayer. And this is what he wrote. Look at this. God rules the world. By the prayers of his saints. Prayer is the power by which Satan is conquered. And through prayer, the church on earth has access to the powers of the heavenly realm. And so I want to say to you, church, I pray that faith is being released today because you need to realize God is wanting to do stuff on earth. From heaven, he's wanting to do stuff on earth, but he wants to use you because the powers of the spiritual realm get released through your prayers, through my prayers. I believe that each local congregation is like a staircase to heaven where we pray, where we have an opening over heaven and we unite together in prayer and we see incredible things that are being done. And I also want to remind you regarding a prayer meeting that prayer meetings are supposed to produce Results. Do you think that that's fair to say that? Listen, prayer meetings are supposed to produce results. Some people say, well, I come to a prayer meeting because this is warm fuzzies. It's like a... <laughs> or I come to a prayer meeting, it's the fellowship, or I feel edified. Now, there's nothing wrong with that. And praise God if you feel edified after a prayer meeting. But I want to tell you the real purpose of a prayer meeting is that it will be done of my Father who is in heaven. The real purpose of a prayer meeting is that things change as a result of a prayer meeting. And the proof that there has been true united prayer is when answers come. When answers are not coming, it could very well be that there is not true united prayer. I think of what took place in Bloemfontein and in Pretoria, the wonderful It's Time events with Uncle Angus Buckham as so many hundreds of thousands gathered to pray. And you know what? It was good to be together. I so enjoyed being together. But being together wasn't actually the purpose. The purpose was that South Africa would change. And I believe that by the grace of God, we will still see that the prayers of agreement were prayed in those occasions. And we will see that God will still work in an incredible way in our nation because believers have prayed, and then God says, it will be done for them of my Father who is in heaven. And so folks, as I conclude, I want to say to you, there is tremendous power in united prayer. There is tremendous power in the prayer of agreement. And I'm asking you that you open your heart, and that you begin to realize that God has given this tool to you. This is a tool that you can use. All you need is one or two other believers that you can pray with in unity of heart and offer a prayer up in line with that objective. And the Bible says that it shall be done 
of my Father who is in heaven. Can I hear an amen? amen. Now give the Lord a hand of praise for His word for us today. Stand with me as we pray together. Please, nobody moving right now, stand with me. Father, we love you. Father, we worship you. Father, we adore you. Lord, I believe that your word has been clearly shared today. And now I pray for faith to arise, that we would begin to put into practice what you taught us about prayer. We declare that we are believers and that we believe everything that you have declared to us in your words. And so we thank you, Lord, that we believe and we ask that you would tap us on the shoulder here and there in the next days and weeks that lie ahead. When there is an opportunity to pray the prayer of agreement, give us boldness and may there be a uniting around your purposes because we want to see your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. In Jesus' matchless name, and we all say, Amen, Amen. amen. God bless you, everybody. You are free to go.